Our text for this morning's sermon is taken from the Gospel lesson with special emphasis on the following words. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. This is our text. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, on this Labor Day weekend, our country takes time out to honor the work and vocations that we have been given in our lives to do. With that in mind, I'd like you to think about the Lord's Labor Day, not a day off for Him. I'd like you to think about His Labor Day of creating us, his labor day of redeeming us at the cross, his labor day of sending his spirit, his labor day of serving us with his gifts of forgiveness, life, and peace right here and now in his service to us this morning, and his labor day of judging the living and the dead on the last day. Thinking like this, this does not come naturally to us because we, like Peter, tend to set our minds on the things of men and not on the things of God. We're focused on our work and not God's work. We think worship is what we do for God And quite frankly, we want credit for it. My goodness, you're here on Labor Day of all days. In addition, from Peter's limited perspective and ours, Jesus should not be involved in work that entails suffering and death, as he spoke about in our text, nor should he, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, be serving us here, in this place called the church. Quite frankly, we think it's beneath him. And Peter didn't stop struggling with this. Do you remember when Jesus on Monday, Thursday was washing his disciples' feet? Peter would have none of it. Remember how Jesus responded then too? Unless I wash you, you have no part with me, right? But with Peter, we think it should be the other way around. But Jesus makes clear that thinking in that way puts us in opposition to God, to God and Christ. Hmm. When Jesus spoke of his own suffering and death, We hear that Peter rebuked him by saying, this shall never happen to you, Jesus. No way this is going to happen to you. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus, that's not what God does. He doesn't suffer, he doesn't die. That's not my version of the Christ. So you just need to stop right here and now. That's not gonna happen to you. And Jesus responded to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. You are a hindrance to me. My goodness, do you see why 
The church is founded not on Peter, but on Peter's confession. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. The rock is not Peter, it's Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ. But here we see he doesn't quite fully understand that yet. I think often we don't either. We don't either. That's why Jesus calls him a hindrance. Peter, like the evil one himself, is attempting to stop Jesus from saving us from sin and death. Are you stopping your friends, your neighbors, your children from receiving the gifts that our Lord is here to serve? That's something to think about. Are you a hindrance to his work among us? I'd say, quite frankly, at times you are. And so am I. And I'm the pastor, and he is too. We are not the Christ. You are not the Christ. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is his labor day, not a day off for him. It's a work day of delivering his gifts for the life of the world. I want you to think about the Lord's labor all along, the labor of creating us, the labor of redeeming us, of serving us, and judging us, is all done by Jesus. Let's start with creation. He created us out of nothing, meaning that we didn't even have the slightest hand in that labor. Now, those who have set their minds on the things of man, they deny that God created us, even so far as rejecting intelligent design in favor of the chance theory of evolution. Now, why is that? Well, we want our being here to be our work, not the Lord's. We're arrogant, not arrogant enough to think that we did it all, even popping ourselves into existence when we didn't exist. That's folly. And I don't care how many PhDs someone has behind their names. That's folly at its heart. That's to say that you know better than the God who created you. I want you to think about this. If you think that way, if you think that life comes from you and not from God, consider this. It's a quote from a physicist, pretty bright guy. His name is Jay Sorenstrom. And he writes this. I want you to listen very carefully, and I'm going to say it very slowly. He writes, quote, a six-foot-long ribbon of DNA more than a billion times finer than a human hair, that's billion with a B, with three billion with a B, base pairs, is neatly organized, spooled, and socked 
inside the nucleus of a cell without ever getting tangled. If you were to look behind my TV, where the cable is, that's a tangled mess. But we're talking billions of strands going on with what he says. There are about 100 trillion, that's trillion with a T, 100 trillion cells in a, an adult human being and a copy of the DNA in nearly every cell. DNI, I'm sorry, DNA holds roughly the same amount of information as a full DVD. For those of you who are younger, a DVD is one of those circle things that we... That's a lot. Now I want you to think about this. He goes on, he writes, a stack of 100 DVDs would reach two-thirds the distance from the Earth to the Sun. Do you think that's a lot of information going on in your bodies? Do you think that's brilliant? I do. This didn't come out of chaos. This didn't come out of utter stupidity. It's intelligent. He says, quote, Nothing that people have built comes remotely close to DNA for compact storage capacity. Nothing. Now, you've heard a lot about AI, right, and the, the tremendous storage possibilities that we're able to put together, right, with computers and, and all of the technology and so forth. I got a question for you. Why don't they call it AE, artificial evolution? They call it artificial intelligence, don't they? Because they're seeking to copy what God has created. We are. And by the way, it's brilliant to be able to do that, to begin to unpack the glory of God. But the storage, I mean, it's not even close. Nowhere near. It's arrogant to think that, oh, we've got it now, technology. We could be our own gods, not even close, not even close. All of what we do falls short of the glory of God. You need to know this, and by the way, Jesus believed it too, and Jesus is God, and he had a hand in creation. God said it was so when it was good. Creation is the labor of the Lord. Creation is the Lord's day, the Lord's labor day, all six days of it. Wow. So he does it all with regard to create, creating us, right? But he also does the labor of our salvation, every last bit of it. The labor of our salvation was done in its entirety by him, and it entailed his suffering and dying on a cross because of because of our sin and rising on the third day to set us free from it. Jesus said you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, right? You're not. Not even close. And you're not even close in the, the abilities of what God can do 
even though you can do great things. We were created in his image. It's really phenomenal when we, we see the, the abilities and the talents and the wisdom and skill of God's people, but it's not even close to him. As a result, the work or labor required to save ourselves, well, it's impossible. The Apostle Paul makes that clear too, right? You are dead in your trespasses and sin. What do dead people do? Nothing. This is all a gift of God. It's all a gift of God. And nothing is impossible with God. And so, Jesus took on our flesh and blood. He became the human being as we human beings were meant to be, perfect in thought, word, and deed, to restore us, to restore us to him. It's all his labor, and it entailed tremendous suffering. And he was willing to do it because he has an unending, tremendous love for us, like his father. The Father's will is the Son's will, is the will of the Holy Spirit that we receive these great gifts, that we receive the benefit of God's labor, of God's work, and not become a hindrance to it. Now, the labor of delivering that salvation, well, is also done by him. Remember Pentecost? Jesus sends the Spirit as he promised. And Jesus is at work by his Spirit. Whenever and wherever his word is proclaimed and the water of holy baptism is applied and the body and blood of our Lord is given us to eat and to drink. And through these means, he forgives. He washes. He's the butler, the host, and the food itself at the table. And do you know why this is all the Lord's labor for us on this, his labor day? Do you know why? Because if he left anything to us, we'd mess it up. It needed to be done right. It needed to be done by God. And he did it, and he does it. And what do you get? His peace. After he rose from the dead, went to the disciples, fearing for their lives, peace be with you. When you were baptized, peace be with you. Today, as you receive the benefit of the Lord's work, you kneel. He's at work. This is my body. This is my blood. Peace be with you. Oh, day of rest and gladness. Our sins are forgiven. God is with us, and he promises never to leave us nor forsake us. Finally, the labor of judging the living and the dead is done by Jesus as well. Ha! That's really great, isn't it, if you think about it? The one who loved you to death, death on a cross, the one who desperately wants you with him, with God, to live in the light of his glory throughout all eternity, He's the judge of the living and the dead. Now, what's interesting is 
Jesus said, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. You know what happens after this? The transfiguration of our Lord. Peter, James, and John see him with Moses and Elijah in his glory. (laughs) He's coming. He's about to make his exodus, about to open the door to, to the kingdom of heaven. They got a glimpse of that. And they, we, all of us, are given to know that our salvation is not the work of Moses. It's not our following the law. Our salvation is done by Jesus. It's his labor that wins it and delivers it, and he does the labor of judging the living and the dead. And oh, what a gracious Lord he is, that he says, everything that I have done, I'm going to credit you with that. And remember with the sheep and the goats, do you remember how the sheep just don't remember when they did all of those things? Well, they weren't doing it to get credit, to get something from God. They were joined with Jesus in his love for others. And that's what the Word of God does for all of us. Heaven and earth intersect this day. Jesus is among us, the King of kings and Lord of lords, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if this is the Lord's Labor Day, and it is, what is this day for us. Well, it is a day of rest and gladness. So we sing with the hymn writer, or we just sang with the hymn writer, right? Listen closely and see how it all comes together. Quote, this day at earth's creation, the light first had its birth. This day for our salvation, Christ rose from depths of earth This day, our Lord victorious, the Spirit sent from heaven. And thus this day, most glorious, a threefold light was given. This day, God's people meeting his holy scripture here, his living presence greeting through bread and wine made near. We journey on believing, renewed with heavenly might, from grace, more grace receiving on this Blessed day of light. Ha! Happy Labor Day. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.